Hello everyone, I'm T.D. Worthington, pastor of the Pathway Baptist Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina. And I'm inviting you to stay tuned for these next 30 minutes of Bible study, fellowship, special music coming your way in just a moment on today's Pathlight radio program. We're so thankful for the uh, hundreds, literally thousands of people that tune in every week by way of radio, other several hundred others that listen by way of social media, whether it's the podcast or Facebook or any of the other ways that you might have of getting the program. We're glad to have you a part. Thank you for everyone nationwide and I suppose even worldwide listening to the program. We appreciate you being a part of what the Lord's doing through the ministries here at Pathlight, and we're also excited now because we're reaching into the Jacksonville area on the two newest stations of uh, of the uh, Go Mix radio network, WJNC, operating on uh, AM and FM down there. We're so glad to have you a part of today's program. Today we're going to be talking about activity or accomplishment, and there's a big difference in staying busy and actually accomplishing something. We'll get around to that in just, uh, well, in just a moment. But right now, just before today's message, I've got a musical selection coming your way, a little more up-tempo than normal. This is uh, The Kingdom Airs, and it's called What We uh, What We Needed. We have never seen all through His Since the world began, never kept one soul from hell. But God looked down in grace and love and met our greatest need. By His own hand and His perfect plan, we are free as Savior, pure and sinless, dying for the wrong we done. What we needed was a holy sacrifice, God's only begotten Son. Say 
Here's my question for you today. Are you productive or are you just busy? Now, I ask you that in the Christian sense, but also in the secular sense. If you work for an employer, are you truly productive for that employer or are you just uh, busy or staying busy? Uh, You know, years ago, when I first became a Christian, I was in management and I had quite a few people working under me at the job that I was, uh, where I was employed as a, as a supervisor. And when I became a Christian, it kind of dawned on me that, you know, it would be wonderful to hire other Christians to work. I said, you know, th- th- this makes sense. Uh, because most of your problems are often employee-related problems. And I said, you know, if, if I can get Christians to work for me, I mean, these folks are going to be honest. They're going to be hardworking. They're always going to show up on time. They're not going to call in sick when they're not sick. They're going to be uh, be very kind and cordial to uh, to my customers. And and I tell you what, if I can just fill this place up with Christians, how wonderful this is going to be. Now, I understand, folks, that is uh, that is illegal in the, in the sense. I understand that. But you, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying all things being equal, I would prefer to hire a person who has a testimony of being honest, and often that is associated with being religious or being Christian. Uh, being Christian okay? Well, I, I quickly found out that didn't work because I did begin to hire more and more Christians, people who had a testimony of being honest and above board and church people and things like that. And I quickly found out these people are not any better than people are lost. As, as a matter of fact, in some cases, uh, frankly, the lost people did a better job. They showed up on time. They worked hard. They were honest. They were good with the customers. Sometimes the biggest problems I have were with Christians. Now, I'm mentioning that today not to condemn Christian workers because I happen to be one myself, but simply to say that ought not be. Uh, my naive uh, assessment of what a Christian ought to be in the workplace was certainly naive, but I think it was well-founded. In other words, that is what a Christian ought to be. A Christian ought to be the best worker no matter what kind of job you have. You're the guy that works the hardest. You're the honest. You're the most respectful. You show up on time. You do your job. That should be the testimony of a Christian. But often, often it is not. And these things just simply ought not be. Now, now we're engaged in Christian ministry. And of course, we uh, we hire Christians to work with us, people of like faith. And that, of course, is legal for a Christian ministry to do that. And and so so we, we hire those who will uh, complement our faith at the school and the church and things like that. But, but yet, I'm still finding once in a while, I say, man, uh, this lost person here would probably do a better job than this Christian. And I'm saying again, these things ought not be. So I ask you today, are you productive 
or just busy. You know, I used to get excited when a prospective worker had 20 years of experience. I said, man, no, this guy's going to be a real asset. This gal's going to be a real asset because they've got 20 years experience. But I grew to understand that it only meant they had been exposed to a certain work environment for the past 20 years because there's a vast difference in 20 years experience and, well, what I might call one year's experience 20 times. In other words, there's a vast difference between activity and accomplishment. Now, Webster's Dictionary defines activity as the quality or state of being active. Well, if you're on the job, chances are you're doing that. Now, you might be faking it, just being active when the boss is close by. But nevertheless, on the job, at least at some point or faction, you are indeed active. But the word accomplishment, Webster defines as something done, achieved, or accomplished successfully. For an example, back years ago when I was in the retail world, my activity was that of being a store manager. All right? That was that was my job. That was my activity. But that was not my accomplishment. My accomplishment may have been increasing profits or increasing sales or having low turnover or or whatever the case might be. That was the accomplishment, particularly when you can tie a number to it and say sales were up by 30% under my leadership or profits were up by 20% under my leadership. That was the accomplishment. That was not the activity. The activity simply defined what I was doing, that I had to go to work every morning and I left in the afternoon and, and I stayed there during the day and did what I had to do. That was my activity. That was my activity. That was my busyness. But that was not my productivity. My productivity was defined by something else. And we can see by those definitions I gave you a moment ago that activity merely requires movement or motion, but accomplishment requires completion of a task. So what does it mean for you and I? It means we sometimes spend time and effort on nonproductive tasks or distractions while important and essential work is left unfilled. Uh, and, and today, I, I, I see things like the cell phone drawing workers away from being productive. I see social media drawing people away from what needs to be productive. I see talk, excessive talk and fellowship, although talk and fellowship can be a good thing. Don't misunderstand me. But yet some people just say to spend all their time yakking and never get anything done in the essential work is left unfinished. In some cases, I know this is avoidable because of emergencies. Sometimes we're following the orders of others, but it's more often the case that we're just simply not focused, having clearly, we've not clearly defined our goals, or simply we procrastinate and put all things we should not. Sometimes we get so caught up in our routines that we lose sight of our goals. We continue to automatically perform our task without really thinking about the results, similar to animals following their instincts. I remember reading an example of this, uh, of a little insect called the processionary caterpillar. Uh, I got to admit, I never heard of it. But But I read this study where these creatures who are known for their habit of moving in a procession Each following the one ahead of it, a French naturalist performed an experiment where he placed several of these caterpillars on the rim of a flower pot so that the lead caterpillar's head touched the tail of the last caterpillar. In other words, he put them in a circle. And then he placed pine needles. That was a natural food source of these uh, creatures. He put that in the center of the pot. The caterpillars blindly 
continued their activity, moving in a circle around the rim of the pot for several days, not stopping to eat, until one by one they died of starvation, never accomplishing their goal. The pine needles, just inches away from the food, they starved to death because they confused activity with accomplishment. They were busy. They were doing things. I'm sure they were tired, but they accomplished absolutely nothing. Few things bring more fulfillment in life than a sense of accomplishment. Whether it's a housewife who's just prepared a great meal for her family or the workman who's just completed a major project. And I want to share with you this day a few things that can severely limit your accomplishments in life. And certainly as a Christian, your accomplishments for the Lord. Number one, never completing your goals. What goals are you postponing until the future? Now, now some goals might occur months or even years to come. There's certainly nothing wrong with making the right actions today to help you get a bit closer. College students are one example of that. You enroll in college realizing you're not going to reach your goal for three or four years, but, but you head to that goal. You're taking action to meet your goals, even your distance goals. It can bring you a lot of happiness as you become more inspired about your future with every passing day. Every day, your goal gets a little closer, and that's encouraging. You need long-range goals to keep you from being frustrated by short-term failures that we're all going to have. It was a fog-shrouded morning. It was July 4th. 1952, when a young woman by the name of Florence Chadwick waded into the water off Catalina Island on the West Coast. She intended to swim the channel from Catalina to the California coast. Long-distance swimming was not new to her. She'd been the first woman to swim the English Channel, and she actually did so in both directions. Now, the water was cold that day. The fog was so thick that she could hardly see the boats that accompanied her and her party. Several times, sharks had to be driven away with rifle fire. She swam more than 15 hours before she asked to be taken out of the water. Now, her trainer encouraged her, you don't have far to go. Please keep going. You're so close. But Florence looked. All she saw was fog, so she quit. Only one mile from her goal. Later, she said, I'm not excusing myself, but if I could have seen the land... I might have made it. You see, it wasn't the cold, it wasn't fatigue, it wasn't exhaustion, it wasn't even fear that caused Florence to fail. It was the fog. Many times we too fail because we're afraid, not because we're afraid, or because of peer pressure, or because of anything other than the fact that we lose sight of the goal. Maybe that's why Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, Philippians 3.14. Paul's looking ahead, by the way, two months later. Florence Chadwick walked off that same beach into that same channel and swam the distance, actually setting a new speed record in the process because that time she could see land. Assuming your goals are worthwhile, assuming they're ordained of God, complete them. Even if you you have to stop and start over, complete those God-ordained goals. The second thing I'll mention today is living below your potential. Limiting your accomplishments by living below your potential. The big challenge is to become all that you have the possibility of becoming. You can't believe what it does to the human spirit to maximize your human potential and to stretch yourself to the limit. Are you tolerating a mediocre life? Living below your potential makes your world grow smaller and smaller with every passing day. Henry Ford said this, There's no man living who isn't capable of doing more than he thinks he can. I think that's very true. Choose a life that's always just out of reach. You might say, well, that would lead to frustration. 
No, that leads to a challenge. Mankind needs a challenge. Why do we climb mountains? What sense does that make? You can get an airplane and fly over the dumb mountain. No, man climbs it because he needs a challenge. That's what a lot of sports activities are all about. Why do we run races? Why do we do that? Because we need a challenge. You don't need to run a race. All you got to do is get in a car and drive to the finish line. But no, we like the challenge. Something God has instilled in us. We need to be challenged. Consider your goals. Consider goals today that might be humanly unrealistic. The goals are going to stretch your faith, pushing you toward these goals will force you to tap into the creative aspects of your creation, of your being. Fact is, you'll never know your full potential unless you push yourself to find that potential. Everyone has potential. Everyone is born with potential. Potential is God-given, but what we do with that God-given potential is what will define our life. It's so sad when we see so many people living far below their potential. So while you're alive and breathing, there is potential for anything God might be calling you to do. No one is as blind as a person who cannot see their potential. The Bible is filled with stories of people who were anointed and positioned by God to achieve great things, but they often did not believe in themselves. Potential relates to your purpose and God's will for your life. Your potential has to be activated just as your purpose has to be discovered. So live your potential. Be careful you don't undermine your own potential. A lot of people today are their own worst enemies through their laziness and lack of organization and negative self-talk that they talk to themselves. They constantly undermine their own success. Having a growth mindset means you believe anything is possible. If you can believe that your goal is possible, you can achieve it by God's grace. A person with a growth mindset is willing to work and study and sacrifice in order to grow their skills to become the person that they have the potential of being the person that God wants them to be. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, the only person you're destined to become is the person you decide to be. Thirdly, today we're talking about limiting your accomplishments is pretending you don't have flaws. Successful people, let's face it, make it look so easy. But most of them had to overcome many obstacles to get where they are today. Uh, think about Fanny Crosby, the obstacles she had to overcome to become the great hymn writer that she was, or Helen Keller, or Franklin Roosevelt. Everyone has flaws, everyone has weaknesses, but in most cases, it's up to the individual whether they give those flaws the power to keep them from success. Let your uniqueness, let your weakness empower you. Shortcomings you may have might need to be compensated for. So you develop a plan to obtain victory in spite of your hindrances that you have in life. Number four, refusing to look in the mirror. We're talking about limiting your accomplishments today. Most underachievers are constantly looking for something or someone to blame for their lack of success. It's the government's fault. It's my neighborhood's fault. It's my peers' fault. It's my boss's fault. Make yourself accountable for your own actions and for your own attitude. Be accountable for your own success or failure. The biggest enemy for most of us is not the devil, not even the world. It's our own flesh. It's our own self. On the other hand, so many of us who believe every word of Scripture still wake up every morning and struggle with the person we see in the mirror. We're not seeing our true identity. We're not, we're not seeing who we really are. We're seeing something else, something far less. When I view myself as God views me, I treat myself differently than when I see myself as less. When I see myself as God's, as God's treasure, reflecting God's nature, I live differently, make different decisions. I love God and others in a different kind of a way. 
There's a huge challenge for so many of us to simply see the truth over the broken self-view that so many of us have. Look in that mirror. I want you to understand how important your view of self is. I'm not talking about magnifying self. I'm talking about realizing that you are special because of God. Then I want you to see and resonate with what God sees and created you to be. We're talking about things today that can ruin your accomplishments. How about not staying focused? Whenever you set your mind on a goal, the distractions of this world seem to be knocking at your door immediately. Some distractions are important and must be attended to, while others simply need to be ignored. You must learn to tell the difference and keep your mind on your goals. It's so important for you to focus your thoughts on the things you want and off the things that you don't want. It's good to keep one eye on tomorrow's goals, but keep your mind and hands busy on today's goal. Now, let's get back to our main issue very quickly. We're talking today about accomplishments and things that hinder you from living an accomplished life. Remember, hard work alone is not an accomplishment. That's really the message I want to get across today. Paul saw the ministry of Christian preaching and teaching done rightly as hard labor. And that's not a nice fit for guys with soft hands and prefer an easy job of sitting back all day long and doing nothing. It is hard work. A Christian who doesn't sweat and strain in his work and his prayers and his study and his teaching is not fulfilling his calling. The Apostle Paul had a capacity for extraordinary ministry output. He accomplished so many things. Not only did he testify in labors to be more abundant in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three, but even compared himself to other apostles, he said, I labored more abundantly than they all, 1 Corinthians fifteen ten. That's not a prideful thing. But again and again, he put his uncommon accomplishments forward, not as an exception to admire, but as an example to follow. Within the capacity God has given each and every one of us, and with the understanding that every Christian can grow and expand his capacity for productive labor and doing something for the glory of God. Sometimes we tend to think, tend to think that if I stay busy, if I'm tired at the end of the day, I must have accomplished something. But that is not necessarily true. I've known a lot of folks who work very hard but accomplish very little. Measure your day by accomplishments, not by how hard you work. Just as the Lord reevaluated His work at the end of every day of creation. You remember that? He looked back at the end of every day and said, It's good. It's good. It's good. It's very good, God said. It's good to analyze how you could have been more effective in your labor for the Lord day by day. Number seven, and finally, earn your rest with your accomplishments. Successful people do not think that hard work alone merits them a time for rest. Rather, they believe that only accomplishments earn you some time off, some time for rest, some time away from the grindstone, if you will. Accomplishments. Making room for your goals means you'll have to give up a lot of your free time. It may mean less sleep, less television, less video games, and many of the other things that have fulfilled your day before you decided to live your life to your fullest potential. It might mean putting that cell phone down. It might mean talking less to other people, and certainly some time of fellowship is needed. There might be people you can legitimately counsel, but what I've seen in the Christian community is so many people spend so much time talking, they get so little done sometimes. Of course, in these things, you've got to have a, a sense of balance. Of course, in all things, a sense of balance. You know, it's easy for us to say things are too big for us. 
things are too hard for us. But you see, that's the easy way out, friends. The matter of the fact is that God has called us to do some big things, some hard things. God's not put us here to accomplish nothing. He's not left us here on this earth just to do the easy stuff. The things we have to do are hard, and they require hard work. But more importantly, they require a sense of wanting to see things accomplished, not just working hard. It also means working smart. If we're to get those things done that God has called us to do, we must begin to live courageously, just like in the story of David. Everybody else might be cowering before the giant, but we need to be bowing before the Lord. Do you know what amazes me about the story of David? David had made no commitment, had no obligation to go out and fight for Israel. Think about that for just a moment. He's just a boy checking on his brothers for his dad, delivering them some cheese and crackers. That was basically his job. So he comes there to the battlefield. He delivers the cheese. He checks to see how his brothers are doing. He could have easily gotten back on the road, hightailed it for home, and no one would have thought any less of him. It wasn't his job. He was not a soldier. He's just a kid. He's just a teenager. He's there to deliver cheese, take back a message. No one would have thought anything less of David if he just said, well, look, guys, you got a problem, but it's not mine. I'm glad it's not. But no, he couldn't do that. He couldn't do that because it was a commitment that he had to follow through with. Let me explain. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 13, the Bible says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. You see, God made an investment in David. And David knew that he wasn't the same anymore. God had anointed him. God had anointed David to do something great for the kingdom. God had anointed David to be a great man of God. God had made an investment in David, and David knew he wasn't the same anymore. His was to be lived according to the will of God. That was the way he was to live his life. And he couldn't get away from that. God made a commitment to him, and he had to reciprocate. He made a commitment to God. Do you think it's any different today? God has made a tremendous investment in every single one of us. How can we be indifferent to our commitment to Him? Your life shouldn't be the same anymore. You've been called to live according to the will of God. And that's the only way you'll lead a life of accomplishment. We're talking today about activity or accomplishment and how there's a big difference in just being busy and actually accomplishing something. Again, I mentioned David. He didn't have to go out and slay the giant. He could have walked away and no one would have thought any less of David. But he said, no, I've got a job to do. And so do you, my friends. So do you. Maybe you can walk away and no one will know the difference, but you know what God's called you to do. Maybe you can walk away and no one will be the wiser. You'll not be condemned for it, but you know deep inside what God's called you to do. Let's learn to be productive in the Christian life, not just busy, not just tired at the end of the day, but looking back at the end of the day and say, I've truly accomplished something for the glory of Christ. I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And, and again, you know, you know, the message is we have to be productive in our life, not just busy. I, now, i got to admit, I look back at the end of some days, and, man, I'm tired. I said, man, I'm weary. I've been going since early this morning and going on till late tonight, and I look back and I see I've accomplished very little. Well, that ought not be. 
And the days that such a thing happens, I need to look back and say, I need to make plans for tomorrow. Not just to be busy, not just to be doing stuff, but to accomplish something. So at the end of the day, I can look back and see great accomplishments that I've made for the glory of Jesus Christ. Well, thank you again for tuning in to today's Pathlight program. These programs are a blessing to you. We'd enjoy hearing from you. Till next time, T.D. Worthington say, may God richly bless you is my prayer.